Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. This week on the show, Griff and I review the Dua Lipa-inspired Truly Poolside Party Pack, reflect on our time at FISOCon 2022, provide some background and insight to HLP episode 200, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. We're live. Live again. Pretty loud intro today. Yeah, that one hit. louder than usual. That one hit. It slapped. Yeah. I mean, it's a good song, so I'm not complaining. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no need to apologize. Haley nuked my eardrums right before we got on. Yeah, you got <laughs> I a was real the only bad one with headphones on. Static yeah, I, I could feel like part of my brain in between both my ears melt. Mm. A good, good indicator on how the show's going to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> brain's already melted. Mm-hmm. Shit's loud. How you doing, Griffin? Doing well. Yeah? Yeah. Happy to be here. How's your Saturday? Uh, Jesus. How's my Saturday? Yeah. Then? You know what? <laughs> Guys. My Saturdays didn't pretty good. Pretty. Time pretty, to come clean. I'm pretty, pretty good. I'm pretty hungover. Um, yeah. I thought you might be with your, with your little work event. Yeah. I did some bowling and karaoke last night with some work friends and it went really late and slept until 10. Still wasn't enough. Here I am though. The things I'll do for this show, really persevering. The things I'll do for this show, hair of the dog for Trulies. Yeah. <laughs> I've already had a can of ham. So, uh, <laughs> with these fancy uh, retro blue cans that were uh, provided to us by friend of the show, Nathaniel. So, yeah, thank you very much. Nathaniel. Very tasty. Yeah, he came by, popped open his trunk like we were doing a drug deal behind my house, like pulls out the two cases of, uh, of hams, these two special edition cases. I felt like I was going to have to give him the briefcase of money. <laughs> Instead, he just like hands over a, another Twilight board game. Mm-hmm. The Eclipse game or whatever. Yeah, Haley, Haley begged him to stop encouraging you, and he just drove off. <laughs> he just hit the gas. Nice. He didn't even close his truck. He just sped <laughs> off. <laughs> Let the speed close it for him. Griff, what have you been up to, man? We have such a packaged agenda today. You don't even know. Yeah. So you and I have both been watching the new season of The Boys. Thoughts on that? Wild season. Wild yeah. start of the season. I'm a big fan. I've been a big fan of that show, but I think the things that they've introduced so far in this season are pretty out there compared to seasons one and two. So, yeah, I have been a big fan of the show. They really do hit the gas, much like Nathaniel, right away. That show (laughs) rocks. I'll tell you what, if you were on the fence about seasons one and two, then don't watch season three, because they just amp it up to 11. You're getting a lot more of what you came for. But if you were into seasons one and two, you're going to have a good time. I think episode four just dropped yesterday. Yep. They're keeping it going. It's great. Yep. Foot's definitely still on the gas for episode four, so. Yeah. That's been some very solid stuff. I got back into Skyrim. What? Yeah, I played Skyrim All right. like, for a while yesterday. Nice. And uh, I got into Sims while he was playing yeah. Skyrim. He was nice. play, playing some Skyrim, playing a Khajiit. Ooh. Alright, I got a couple follow-up questions here. We're gonna start with Haley. Is this like a kill your friends Sims thing like you've done before or just like a generic kill random Sims thing? Well, 
So my original intention was to kill frustrations right uh, from my work day. That was bad. Hmm. Uh, uh, did you make people I didn't from end work up to, doing to that. voodoo doll kill in The uh, Sims? No, no, I didn't. I didn't end up doing that. I did buy voodoo doll though in The Sims. Um, <laughs> but I noticed there was a new life goal that was available under the romantic section, which I just hadn't noticed before. Normally, mm -hmm. that's like a like oh you're a serial lover or it's a oh i want a lifelong partner those are the two the only two there's a new one okay the new life goal thing you can get which is essentially to be like a monster like my first goals is to break up like four couples um, oh you're a home it's a home record yeah it's goal. a home record okay. one um my other goal is to be caught cheating 10 times wreck up 10 yeah, so I get a little more careful after two or three. <laughs> Damn. So I, I created a sim and he has a kitten and it was great because our neighbors are married. So it was a great. So you broke that marriage start. up immediately. <laughs> nice. Anyways. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Now, Skyrim, what are you playing that on, Griff? I have it on like every system. Mm -hmm. I was playing it on PS5 last night. First time I've played with like a gratuitous amount of mods. Okay. So that's been pretty fun. I mean, it makes it like super cheap, but. Well, like what kind of mods are you talking? Like some leather mods, like a secret armory mod that like gives you access to all this ridiculous shit, that kind of stuff. Nice, so nice. I figure I played the game so many times over the course of the like 11 years it's been out. I would just play it with a ton of mods and see what happens. I'm level 40. <laughs> As of, nice. like, playing it last night, starting it at level one last night. Yeah, you so, were power gaming so, that well, sure. so, Yeah, so it's definitely the mods doing the heavy lifting of that. But I didn't realize you could prestige skills in Skyrim until I started, because this is, like, the special edition. Oh. So when you get a skill to 100, you can just reset it and keep leveling. Because it used to be that there was, like, a level cap in Skyrim that was, like, 81 or something when you got all your skills to 100. Mm -hmm. But that no longer exists, I guess. Wow, that's pretty excellent. On my end, I am playing a little video game in myself as well. I am reacquainting myself with the Bioshock Infinite Burial at Sea DLC. It's the DLC that sort of crosses the stories of Bioshocks 1 and 2 over with Infinite, and it's really cool. I've played through it, I think, two or three times already. And it's good to be back in the world of Rapture and all the craziness that goes on there. My favorite game series of all time. Love it to death. So it feels good to get back in there. And then I have been watching the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And let me tell you all, that show fucking slaps. It's so good. Just seeing Ian McGregor back on screen is worth the price of admission alone. Him playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. He brings so much humanity to that role. It's fucking great. I love it. If you haven't checked that one out, you think you're on the fence, go ahead and watch it. It's really damn good. But Griff, I know there's one other thing that you wanted to talk about in this segment before we moved on, and we do need to move on because we've sure. got a lot to talk about today. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't write this. Somebody else wrote this. I wrote this I thing because you, you said you wanted to talk about it and you were going to forget. Well, I think, yeah, I think we need to talk about it. Um, it's absolutely worthy of bringing up on this known yeah. truth. A friend of the show, Giuseppo, sent us snacks. Yep. Actually, multiple times, but this is to talk about the first time he sent us snacks, and they're these, like, hers puffs. Mm-hmm. But the flavors are wild. It's yeah. it's s'mores and 
orange creamsicle. Now, these are puffs like a Cheeto puff. Yes, like a Cheeto puff. They're like cheese balls, basically. Weigh almost nothing, Mm -hmm. but they're these goofy flavors. And I got to say, shocked. Completely shocked by them. They're phenomenal. They hit. They're really good. Yeah, they're really good. I think maybe the orange creamsicle is the one where you kind of, your brain can't put together that flavor and texture combination Mm -hmm. right away. So it's kind of like, ugh. And then you have like three more and you're you're kind of like, I'm going to finish the bag now, I think. That's 100% my experience as well. I did not finish the bag, obviously, because we still have a lot left. Yeah. But I had a couple, was truly shocked, and then I, I was into it. It was yeah. They were fantastic. Breaking news. I thought there were not as many more flavors. There's a ton of flavors. Let's go. What uh, do we got? Mostly, I was just looking up pictures for the folks in the chat here. They also have... Oh, no, they're scrolling. There's too many. Oh, they have uh, Dippin' Dots Cookies and Cream. Okay. I have a feeling that was going to be worse than the other two we tried. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. They- Never had an artificial cookies and cream turn out good. Probably similar uh, to the s'mores one we had, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a weird one. That's like, I feel like sometimes it can be really good and sometimes it's just not so good. Hers popped me into a weird spot. They do have like regular reefer. cheese balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cheese, yeah, cheese stuff. Let me get those puffs. Look at those puffs. Puffs. Which they do. Uh, do they I think do they any savory flavors other? or are they all just weird sweet flavors? You know, they have the classic, which is cheese. cheese mm-hmm. But I don't know if they have any. Uh, they have, I don't see, for some reason now it's popping as if they're like, they're, they're like as gone. As if they never existed. Um, yeah. yeah. As well as now there's a choose your own variety pack. Yeah. Ooh. So, Thanks, anyways. We'll pass. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason they are now gone. I got the pictures from the website. They're gone, though. (laughs) I guess we'll never know. Never. Well, thank you, Giuseppo. These things were awesome. Really out of left field, but they work. Anyway, let's get into the meat of this program. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, what we did this week is like we do every Live Zone of Truth. We go out to the fans and say, hey, what do you want to hear us talk about? And this week, the segment that won was newer mystery segment. So... We got in touch with each other, Griff and myself. We started talking, okay, what can we chat about? Well, 200 happened. We got some Trulies to taste. We definitely want to do those. Paizo kind of happened. We want to talk about them as well. But I don't know if that's all that the listeners want with that mystery segment. Because, Griff, I got a surprise segment for yeah, you. I figured it had to be a surprise. I didn't see it on the sheet. It's not on the agenda. Great. But this is going to be a little exhibition of a popular segment that I think people really like. Oh, no. He's reaching into something. Go ahead and take that out of the koozie for me, bud. Do I have to unscrew this stuff? Oh, no, Steve. And I'm going to need, from the chat, <laughs> a number between 1 and 50, because this is Banger Battle Book of the Dead Exhibition Match fucking coffee edition. What is that? This is Bang Keto Coffee Chocolate Peanut Butter Blast <laughs> with 20 grams of protein in it. <laughs> Weren't you just asking to split a bang? Yeah, but I was like, he sure was, wasn't he? I'm glad I didn't want a whole. I was really crossing my fingers that he wouldn't go down and get one. Holy cow, a thousand milligrams of of what? No idea. Of eight keto, keto, I think is what that says. Who knows what that is? Because that's not a nutrient. (laughs) We're going to need to know how many wheels on the bang bus for that one. What? Not until I try it. I, I want to read about it. Oh, 
okay. You may as well not. <laughs> okay. Uh, to me, that tastes like an off muscle milk. Yeah. Yeah, it, it tastes like a shittier version of the other Bang coffees, but with like a little crappy peanut butter aftertaste. Yeah, like the peanut butter is like that powdered bullshit PB2 or whatever. It's mm-hmm. not real peanut butter. Yeah, so 8 Keto is uh, trademarked because... Good, good. <laughs> Great bag. Trademark a thing called 8 Keto. <laughs> Who knows what that because means? Because this bag high-protein coffee is the ultimate brain and body-rocking fuel of 20 grams protein, 300 milligrams of caffeine, EAA aminos, trademark, and 1,000 milligrams of 8 Keto, trademark. It's truly worrying how many trademarks are in this I would like list. to know what... There is a thousand milligrams of it. Like, anything in a quantity uh, of a thousand milligrams worries me a little bit. If they're not gonna, they're, you got to explain it. Eight keto, eight keto, trademark in the ingredients is eight keto, and then parentheses here, caprylic triglyceride. All right, well, we got to bring that back over here because uh, this aftertaste is getting worse and worse. We just got to get into it. I need a number as well for the banger battle part of this. No one has provided me with one. What the hell? Come on, you had time. Oh, wait, they did. It didn't scroll. Okay, the first one I see is 33. 33. Okay. We're going for mommy. I'm already going to say probably bang because of the big mummy milkers. (laughs) (laughs) So in Book of the Dead... There is a couple big old pages on mummies. This is outside of the actual mummy dedication pages that are devoted to that already. But I believe the mummy itself is statted out in an early bestiary. So there are some varietals here. We have mummified cat. We have decrepit mummy. And we have ice mummy. Oh, we also have aurorian mummy. Mummy prophet of set. Irorian mummy, like the one that we had to fight in Dragon's Demand? Yes. Actually, that's pretty What's the, the lineman on that guy? Uh, oh. Lawful neutral? Yep. Yeah, yep. wow. They, they kept that in, Tui. They took a mummy and made them not evil. Hmm. Very cool. So if we're looking at the mummified cats, it's got pounce and sneak attack. Aura of repose. You don't decay. We have a decrepit mummy, which has given you mummy rot, but that's got crumbling form. Mm, how crumbly are we talking? Mm, barely cohesive. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like for most of it? When it is reduced to fewer than half their hit points, or immediately upon being damaged by a critical hit, they start falling apart, reducing their AC to 15. Their original AC was 17, so not a huge jump there. Yeah, you just have to worry about structural integrity, I think. Yeah, a critical hit could really put him down, is what I'm yeah. hearing. Yeah, you don't want to don't get that decrepit mummy with a critical sit. <laughs> yeah, then Ice Mummy, we've got Great Despair, Channel Rot, Frozen Breath. Mm, not into this. Cold Rot? Yeah, I'm going to say mm. Battle and Ice Mummy. Yeah. A little, a little too cold, I think. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, if we flip over to a It takes a I Was mummy. in the Pool to a new level. <laughs> nice. Jesus Christ. Uh, Aurorian mummies have stunning flurry. So that's pretty cool. But they also have something that I'm really into. Robe tangle. <laughs> robe tangle. Yeah, you get all tangled up in the robes. All right, so, all right. you, know. you do that. That mummy prophet of set looks almost not mummified. That actually might be set. Because set is actually defined down here. Then what is this? 
I don't know. That might be set or the. I thought that was set. This looks much more like a prophet than that. No, that's the Irurian mummy, man. He's got the, oh, the it, hand. The yeah, he looks like a monk. So either that's set or that is the mummy, the mummy is set. Regardless, I'm giving them all a bang. So even with sand rot, I thought your experience with Hayden Christensen would tell you that you, you can't have sex with these things with all these sand effects. Listen, sometimes you like a little pain with your pleasure. It happens. This is a pass for me. I'm not a sex on the beach kind of person. Mm. Uh, I mummy. Absolutely. That's a That's a bag. Celts on the beach. I'm here for sex on the beach. No, Got to hit me at the right time. It's rough and it gets everywhere. <laughs> Course. Course and rough. Everywhere. All right. So that was a lively banger battle. Real. What about the cat? Did you? I, I said I'd bang them all. Okay, um, fair enough. <laughs> truly poolside party pack. Now let's uh, mix some fruity cocktail seltzers in with this eight yeah, well keto. Timed. By the way, that's just oil. Yeah. Oh. This is this is literally like a synthetically made bulletproof coffee, yep. which is horrible. Yep, that's exactly what you it is. You know, the people that put butter in their coffee, it, it that's is. what this shit is. It's the it really butter or the like uh, yeah. coconut oil in coffee, people. Yeah. And if you're one of those people, I don't get it. I've tried it. Really? I've never tried it. I've tried yeah, it. Yeah, we, we both tried it. It's off. It's not great. That sounds like it would suck, honestly. Yeah. I really am not into that. Okay. Handpicked by Dua Lipa, who knows a thing or two about good taste, <laughs> these four summer cocktail-inspired flavors make for one seriously refreshing drinking experience. Don't forget the tunes. That's some copy from the website. So, for those of you who are unaware, Dua Lipa is a British singer and songwriter possessing a mezzo-soprano vocal range. She is known for her signature disco pop sound. Uh, do you two know anything about Dua Lipa? No. Okay, neither do I. I know that her real name is Dua Lipa. That's that a is cool her fact. real birth name. That's her birth name. All right, well, hopefully we can trust this uh, abject stranger about her... Um, She's famous in some aspects. Yeah, uh, her seltzer tastes. Does being famous give you uh, give you the kind of power to determine what goes into seltzers? I guess so. Yes. I mean, I guess that happens sometimes because I don't know who Allison Ray is, but she made a fantastic Alani New flavor. You know what? I think oh. I think what I what I absolutely want the HLP to pivot into is we should probably pivot to a brewery that specializes in seltzers mm -hmm. and get Guy Fieri in the game. Whoa. Because you saw, you, I don't know if anyone's seen the announcement, but there's like a Hell's Kitchen seltzers. Someone yes. posted that in our Discord, uh, backed by Gordon Ramsay. Now we need the Fieri seltzers. Diners, drive We'll call them Guy's Guzzlers. Guy's Guzzlers, there it is. And they only come in like 20 ounce cans. 20 ounce cans. One is hot dog water flavored. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> that one's going to be called Guy's Glizzler. All right. So as we go through these, these are 5% ABV, a gram of sugar, 100 calories. We got a little copy from the website to read for each one of these. There's also fun stuff on the can. So this is going to be a great one to talk about on the show. We got kiwi mojito, pina colada, strawberry melon fizz, and orange peach fizz. Kiwi mojito. Let's start with this one. You want to start with Kiwi Mojito? I do. Okay. I sense some trepidation from you on this. No, one. I think Kiwi Mojito is one of the stronger sounding flavors. I'm worried about the melon, okay. as I usually am. Yeah. Well, we'll save that for the middle of this segment when we're losing steam. Kiwi Mojito. This flavor is Dua's favorite for a reason. Sweet like a mojito, tart like a kiwi, and requested by everyone like Shout at a wedding reception. Except unlike Shout, we never get sick of it. 
Wow. There's some real corny shit That's on the website so <laughs> for this one. What does it say on the can there, Griff? Kiwi mojito style with other... I don't think there's... It says best served poolside. Okay, so they phoned that one in. Yeah. The other ones say different... Oh, they do. Yeah. They say different stuff on the side. Yeah, this one says best served poolside. Give that a try, man. There's truly some uh, some whiplash happening in my mouth here. Yeah. Coming off that bang. Yeah, I don't know if that was the best one to have right after the bang. Yeah, the mojito is strong in that. That's great. Yeah. And I think, you know, the only thing I maybe wish I got a little bit more of is honestly the kiwi. I can taste it, though. It's there. It it's just like the mojito is, is a much stronger part of that. The mint flavor is good, though, on that what, second sip. Damn. What's, what's our rating scale on this guy? Oh, good question. So, since we're all Dua Lipa fans, we're all familiar with her song, I-D-G-A-F. Uh, we're going to be uh, rating this on a 1 to 5 scale. An I is a 1, an I-D is a 2, and yeah. so on and so forth through I-D-G-A-F. I would go ahead and give that an I-D-G-A. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I-D-G-A, yeah. 4 out of 5. I might get sick of those. Sure. I'm not the biggest mojito fan in the world, though. But I think it's probably one of the stronger mojito-flavored seltzers I've ever had. I think I've had a couple at this point. Sure, and I'll tell you what, this is probably not a great observation, but, like, I do agree with what it says on the can. I would love to drink that next to a pool. Like, that would be awesome. Next up, we've got Pina Colada. Here's the copy from the website. Things we love, delicious Pina Colada flavor. Things we don't love, getting caught in the rain. Wow, it feels good to finally get that off our chest. Don't know what the fuck that means. Well, it's If You Like Pina Coladas and Getting Caught in the Rain, the song. Oh, is that that yeah. song? Oh, all right, sure. This one says... <laughs> you missed that part? That's a classic song. I don't listen to that shit. You've heard it. You've heard, heard it. it. Are you kidding shit. me? Shrek. Oh, uh, Jason just asked the same question. You've seen fucking Shrek. <laughs> Do they drink Pina Coladas in Shrek? Oh my no, God, the, song the song is, is there. The song is in track. All right, sure. I'm upset. Just take a sip. I'll take a sip. Embarrassing. <laughs> Listen, I'm having a rough time today. Pretty poor showing. Um, I'm gonna give that an IDG. Okay. Uh, and only because I probably had three stronger pina colada seltzers than that one. And not to say it's bad. It's just artificial. Fair. I think I might just go, I might give this one the IDGA. I do really like it. And I don't know, maybe I'll start listening to Shrek tunes or something. That was pretty dope. Hot take. Uh, that's better than the bang one, for sure. Really? really? I yeah. think the bang this one's better than This doesn't that. have any buttered popcorn flavor, in my opinion. I even thought about it while I was drinking it to see if it would come. And it is way, way, way less buttered popcorn. That is true. On the second sip, I can confirm. That is true. Even when you think about it, don't taste like that. Yep. All right, next one up, Strawberry Melon Fizz. Here we go, copy from the website. When it comes to power couples, few duos can hold a candle to strawberry and melon, add a little fizz to that one-two punch, and it's game over for the competition. All right. How chill. That's what it says on the can. How chill. Give that a try, Greg. How do you chill? Is that like an open question, or? I don't know, how chill, question mark? (laughs) All right. Uh, I know how I feel about that. That's IDGA. That's one of the better melon flavors. I think the strawberry works well with the melon, which doesn't usually happen when you do a melon mix. Mm -hmm. The melon is usually the only prominent flavor. 
we've had them time and time again where they try and shove melanin with something and it's just it takes over the whole thing this doesn't have that terrible artificial watermelon flavor like it's a jolly rancher yep and i think that works really well with the strawberry that it's like a more natural watermelon flavor it reminds me of the like you know the big squares of bubble gum the bubba yeah gum? yeah that yeah. flavor of like that watermelon flavor is the kind of flavoring they got in there with the strawberry and I feel like they did it very good. It does, now that you mention yeah. it, kind of tastes like that gum, which mm-hmm. is one of the better non-mint gums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love that gum. I think this is also very solid flavor. I don't want to just echo everything that you all have said because I agree with it all. What I will say is we're three deep into this cocktail pack, and what I'm not getting is the shitty imitation hard liquor flavors. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. I think mm-hmm. they avoided that. Great, pretty, move. pretty yeah. expertly. I mean, like the drinks they're imitating here, the mint in a mojito overcomes the booze flavor anyway. Yep. In a regular mojito, pina colada, same deal. Like you never taste the liquor in a pina colada most of the times because they'll just use like a pineapple or coconut rum in a pina colada. Mm-hmm. And then these fizzes, I believe, are meant to be made with uh, like vodka and either the melon or the peach schnapps. You'd make a melon fizz, I believe, with like vodka Midori and seltzer water. And yeah, no boozy flavor to be had. Well, yeah, I'll also give this an IDGA. That means all three of these so far, I've given them four out of five. I think they're all really good. And let's bring it home with orange peach fizz. So copy from the website is kind of wild in. Orange and peach are like those cousins that only see each other once a year at the family reunion. But when they do, who boy, buckle up. Things are about to get wild. <laughs> Why would you say that about <laughs> orange and peach? They're like cousins that hook up once a year. Oh, oh Steve. No. <laughs> Things are about to get wild. Multiple people are concerned. <laughs> Luckily, Orange and Peach are second cousins. <laughs> Unlike all the other pairings in here. At no point did I think about them hooking up. <laughs> they only see each other once a year. It things concerns are, me that you did. Things are getting wild. Right. Ooh, this is our once a year spot. And let me tell you. At the, the family reunion. The can says, floaties not included. <laughs> amount of concern people have for you is so high. Good. Yeah, I mean, with the description, you'd think there'd be Rule 34 art of this interaction. You'd think. You really would. I can hop in here. I don't really particularly care for it. I think it's fine, but I'm not going out of my way for this. I'm going to give it an ID. Yeah, I think the orange ruined it. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd give it an IDG. I think it's just fine. It's just, you know, not peachy enough. Yeah, I agree. And like orange is not a very compelling flavor of almost anything besides juice. So you put it into seltzer. It's like it's not strong enough to be sunny D orange. It's just shitty enough to be like soccer team orange slice orange. I don't know. Do I want that all day? No. Can I have the three of them that come in a 12 pack? Yeah, it'd be fine. That's exactly where I am. I'm not going to get upset. This isn't gross. It's just not memorable or exciting. And I also don't get like the shitty booze taste like we've been talking about. So I think they they achieved what they were trying to. It just isn't something for me. So 
To summarize, we had some pretty decent ratings across this Dua Lipa poolside party inspired pack. My last question for all three of you, because Haley, you've been tasting these as well. Well, all three of you. I'm one of those three people. Mm-hmm. All three of us. Kind of fucking get it together. Um, all three of the Gregorian you. Yeah. Does this seltzer pack have you levitating? No. 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 I assume that's a Dua Lipa reference that I... I think so. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, it doesn't have me levitating. But could I relax to it? Yeah. I don't know that was that, that's what Dua Lipa wants. <laughs> Something about... She wants, about, us, to yeah, party she wants us to party with these. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has me levitating. I, I like it quite a bit. I'm a big fan of these. I'm like maybe an inch off the ground. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I feel a tingle somewhere, but it's not picking me up. <laughs> you feel the pull. I feel the pull. Well, solidly yeah. on the ground. Yeah, pretty solidly planted. Okay. Um, I think. I think this pack in general, from all of our ratings, is maybe an IDG lowercase a. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very fair. None of these did get the five out of five, but none of them got the one out of five either. Yeah, you know? I would buy this pack again. Yeah, I, think, the, I, I, I think I think this pack is actually of the summer packs. This is probably up there because mm-hmm. I think obviously that Alani pack is the best summer pack we've had so far. I think because I wouldn't categorize the the Bang Tees as a summer pack. No a tea pack. This is a summer pack. I'd say this is number two after that. I think one hundred percent agree. One hundred percent. So, on that note, we need to divide these up. Cool. Uh, I was past the bang, which means that if I'm finishing off this bang, you're getting the orange peach Fine, fuzz. I'll take the orange peach fuzz. And then I guess I'll draft the pina colada because I was a little hotter on that than you were. Yeah. I'm- and you can, either one of these I'm totally fine with, the mojito or the watermelon strawberry. I think I'm going to take the watermelon. I'm going to take both fizzes. All right, well, I'm going to try and power through this bang. Get it out of the fucking way. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, I feel like I did some work on that bag before I passed it to you. Yeah, so. it's noticeably lighter. You did. You definitely did some work on this. And for that, I'm definitely grateful. Let's talk about PaizoCon 2022. Oh, yeah. So we had the pleasure of attending with Chris and Eric. We flew out to Seattle over Memorial Day weekend. We were there from late Thursday night through Monday morning. And I think overall, I had a really good time. How about you? Oh, yeah. Same. It was a blast. Hell Yeah. So it was a very small convention. I know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe understatement of the year. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think they got half the uh, reduced attendance. The attendance was supposed to be capped at 500. And there was a lot of back and forth on what's going on with that and who's getting tickets and what have you. But really, when we got there, I think the impression was that, yeah, I didn't see 500 people. Yeah, there. it certainly had to be. Ca- it felt like it was capped at like 250. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that like. Everybody at the con got to take like a second gift bag and that kind of stuff makes me think that despite the cap and despite telling people, get a refund so we can push out more tickets Mm -hmm. or a bunch of non-refund people just didn't show up. Yeah. And I think we saw that firsthand. We had a couple friends of the show who basically like either came to our meetup or swung by literally just to pick up the gift bag because we told them it was worth it. The gift bag was nuts. You got a... Special edition hardcover of the Pathfinder 2E Bestiary 1 or 2. You got the Starfinder Armory, the Pathfinder Society Lost Omens Guide. You got, oh, geez. um, Two assorted mini boxes. mm -hmm. You got a full six disc set of one of the audio adventure paths that somebody put out back in the day. It's like CDs. Yeah. (laughs) You got a die from... 
the level up dice Kickstarter that did like sets for the Pathfinder 2E classes. Oh, geez. What else did we get? You got three t-shirts. We yeah, all came three. home I'm wearing with like one, 12. Of, one of the t-shirts. I did not play in Pathfinder Society Year of the Demon. <laughs> you didn't? In no, like I didn't. 2013 Believe it or not, I did not play in that year. Um, yeah, you got a bunch of t-shirts. Mm. I think that might be about it. I think but, I mean, so. but that's a pretty large amount of stuff. Yeah, they were. Um, there's a, a Starfinder crit fumble or oh yeah, we got a crit deck. deck. Yeah. Then there was just a table of shit that they were giving away. Tons and tons of Pathfinder card game card decks, and Eric walked home with the Mummy's Mask card game. Yeah, like, like the full, the Mummy's full Mask set. box of it. So like. For there free. Was some serious stuff. We got the GM exclusive shirts free because yep. they just handed them out. The like volunteer mm-hmm. PaizoCon GM shirts. Like we didn't play in any society, but I know Eric did, and they were just rolling off to give away free shit. Like he Eric walked out with like a, won, like another two hundred dollars of stuff. Every time I saw Eric, he was walking away with like, oh, I got a nice last wall. I gotta go again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh my god, we got so much free stuff. Plus ended up getting some really cool stuff that we'll talk about in a second from some of the listeners of the show that I had to check a bag to bring it all home. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was wild. So, let's get into PaizoCon 2022 itself. Hey, so, really quick, since ahead. you were just talking about all those things that you got, did yes. you end up bringing home that Amiri poster? I got a photo with the Amiri poster. Yeah. We didn't. Um, yeah, that was a that was a question actually by asked time we, chat th- by Corey. I think yeah. someone actually one of our group actually asked them when they were packing up like if we could take the poster or something, right? Didn't like I Eric, don't know that we asked. Eric might have asked. I think Eric, Eric might have asked while he was in. The, I think Amiri was in the society room. Mm-hmm. We almost just walked in there. Just, yeah. Hey, we're gonna help clean up. <laughs> You're only cleaning up the one poster. Well, damn. you know it's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah, requires the whole gang of us. So. Thursday, we flew out there, and this was a a real rough day of travel. I think pretty much anything that could go wrong did. We had delays on the flight. I had a delay getting to the airport. We had delays getting on the shuttle. Everyone's wiped out by the end of the day. I mean, this is a five-hour flight that ended up taking, like, eight. Was sitting on the tarmac and waiting at the airport. Yeah, I think I had told... um because we were supposed to meet up with some folks for dinner. I had said like, hey, our flight's supposed to get in around 7.58 o'clock Seattle time. So we'll probably be at the hotel no later than nine. Mm-hmm. And we like rolled in at like 11. <laughs> yeah, it was rough times. <laughs> I think we had dinner at 11. We might have rolled in a little earlier than 11 mm-hmm. and checked in. But. I was starving. But that first night we met up right away with, I mean, just MVP of the con. Huge shout out to Finder of Paths and Stars. This dude was the actual reason that you and Chris were able to attend. So yeah, just want to give a massive shout out to this dude. And we hung out with him all weekend long. Great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Big thanks for that. Because... It was nice to at least be secure in tickets. We had tried to reach out to Paizo. We learned from uh, our friends over at uh, Find the Path that it took quite a bit more pestering than we had done Mm -hmm. to to get your partner tickets. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we made it out there. And then the con was off to a start. Friday kicks off. I wake up early. I watched the first two episodes of Kenobi in the room because I got to get that done before we hit the floor. Mm -hmm. Then we get all our free shit. We check in. We go to some panels. Yeah. We saw the keynote that Eric Mona delivered. And then he said, hey, everybody roll into the room next door and we're going to have a little Q&A session. And honestly, that was one of my favorite panels of the entire 
convention. Yeah, it wasn't recorded. It was really candid, and he gave a lot of information. Mm-hmm. It was great. We were talking. There were only like 20 people in the room. Too. Yeah, it was a very small crowd, and we were just kind of pinging all sorts of stuff on him. Plans for future books, plans for future adventures. He got into the business side of things. What types of books sell over other types of books? Mm-hmm. How those financial decisions overlap with what the type of content that they want to put out. It was really, really informative. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, I think for those of you in our server and those of you listening live that have maybe postulated on where the Lost Omens line specifically is going, he pretty much broke out for us like, hey, remember all those regions in the Lost Omens world guide? Well, we've hit a couple now by name. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're going. (laughs) Yep. So it sounded like we would be hitting all 10 of those meta regions at some point with a preference on the regions that have not gotten a lot of content before. So we're like probably not going back to Chelyax soon. Which is nice. Yeah, which is nice. But he also talked about, you know, ideas for the areas outside of the inner sea as well. Obviously with Tia and Arcadia, he didn't give any specifics, but Yeah. It was great. We moved on through the rest of the day and I think we capped that day off with a Fun meetup with our friends at Find the Path. We were hanging out with Rick and Rachel. It was great. Went to a yeah. bar downtown. That was a blast. It was a lot of fun to be able to talk shop with Rick for like three hours. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Always enjoy the drive down into Seattle proper. We got to see the ports and the terminals, which is great. It's a nice scenic trip. Like we were going over bridges and through tunnels and shit. It was great. Yeah, it was kind of like, I think we had discussed it with our friend James, who we'll talk about, but who lives there. But like if I had that kind of commute, I maybe wouldn't mind commuting that much because <laughs> the view is so much nicer than commuting anywhere in Columbus. Absolutely. Anything else on Friday you want to roll into Saturday? Because Saturday was a big one for us. Yeah, we can roll into Saturday. Sweet. So Saturday was another day of some really good panels. I want to highlight the dark archive panel that we went to. There is one thing I have to say about Friday. Okay. So this actually happened to us twice because the people that work at Paizo are so freaking cool. But the first day when you were watching Kenobi, Chris and I went into the went into the gift shop and one of the guys that works the warehouse for Paizo was just hanging out. And he noticed that Chris made a joke about like breaking into the glass case where they had all the future releases. And he just he's like, well, I have access to this and mm-hmm. opened it up and like gave Chris the dark archive, gave Eric the uh Lost Omens uh, travel guide, travel guide, and like just was just like, yeah, flip through them. Those are the books. Like those are the, so Chris like flips right to Thaumaturge, starts reading the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So we got to see what the Thaumaturge looks like post play test, which spoiler alert, looks awesome. We also got to see how long those because because then Aaron, our, our uh, friend Aaron Shanks, hell yeah, uh, who many of you know uh, through Paizo is now the VP of marketing. Congrats to him. Brought us aside again talking about some stuff and showed us how long the eight adventures in there are. And it looks like they're pretty solid one shots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was so cool. I I was really bummed to have missed that initial look at those future releases. I'll get my hands on it eventually, but you know, I had to see Kenobi. Didn't want any of that spoiled, but big thanks to both of them for giving us a little peek under the hood, as it were. Anyway, Saturday panels, dark archive. I was kind of excited about this upcoming book. I'll be honest, I was a little hyped. But then when we sat through that panel, that really got my juices going. I can't wait. The new classes, they talked a lot about the updates to those classes from the playtest, some of the changes that they're doing to the psychic and the thaumaturge. 
stuff that I'm really excited about. And then they talk about the eight different like chapters or booklets within that book that each have an adventure and they each have something cool in there. So either new monsters, new spells, new rituals, a heritage of being like a clone yeah, slash doppelbanger, which is just going to be all my characters going forward because I think that's the coolest freaking thing ever. I got so hyped for Dark Archives sitting in that panel and I cannot wait to get our hands on that book soon. So what else did we do during the day on Saturday? That was the big highlight for me. We, I know we had like a lot of hanging around. Me and you got some breakfast yeah. at 13 Coins. Shout out 13 Coins. Great place to eat. Yeah. If you're, if you're at the SeaTag Doubletree, welcome mm-hmm. down to 13 Coins. Whether you're getting breakfast, dinner, drunk at four in the morning, yeah, they're open. Four hours, baby. But that night was our big old HLP meetup. I want to shout out the brewery that we kicked things off at. Future Primitive Brewing. What did you think of that place, man? Oh, it was phenomenal. It was, I won't call it a hole in the wall because it wasn't. It was more built up than that. But, you know, it was kind of, is in an interesting area of Seattle. And it was, it was like all behind like a big privacy fence. And you mm-hmm. didn't, really, didn't really get a gauge on the area until you went in. But had a great big outdoor area, had a pretty big wraparound bar and had a really cool upstairs seating area, which we ended up monopolizing at some point during the night. But the beers were fantastic. They were punk as hell. I forget some of the names, but there were some great names for some of their beers. Their flagship beer was just called Nazi Punks Fuck Off. Yeah. Great. And hey, shout out to our boy Liquidarity, who told us about this place and gave us a $50 gift card to kick the night off of. Yeah, thank you so So, much. We made good use of that. Yeah, we made good use of it. And it was just such a great suggestion from him. A quick shout out. I apologize if I don't get all of the names that showed up because we did have a really good crew that showed up. Um, but we had representation. We had Exiton out there who gave us a bunch of booze to bring back home. Like, thank you, Exiton. Then we had Pot Against the Machine. We had a couple dudes from there out there. We had Rick and Rachel from Find the Path. We had James and Laura from Wheel or Woe. We had Spartan and another dude from this D5 Dirty Dice, a new show that's coming out. This dude Saber was out there that was cool as hell. And I know I'm missing people, but like it was just such a cool crew and awesome just to hang out with y'all. Yeah, it was nice, you know, despite the pandemic and the size of the con, we still had 20 plus additional people hanging out with us, which was awesome. Yeah, it was great. After we closed that place down, we went down the street to a dive bar <laughs> called bar. Boombox Bar, which yeah. was a blast. We had uh, lightsaber themed drinks, mm-hmm, which I loved. And then, of course, we finished the night off with a little hotel party with like the four or five dudes that stuck it out with us that late. So just a totally magical night. I had so much fun. We got to talk about Sunday quick. We had breakfast at this awesome steakhouse across the street. We went to go to a couple panels and ended up just like hanging out with Aaron Shanks and Jim Butler for like, I don't know, two hours. Yeah, or like two hours. Just us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Yeah. And there's nothing that I can speak to officially right now, but there might be something cool that's coming out of that that we're going to be involved with in the future. So keep your ear to the ground. Yeah. Very, very exciting announcement coming hopefully soon. Yeah. Dark Archive themed. Yes. And, um, then probably the highlight of the trip was our big finale meal on Sunday. Chris's inaugural visit to Denny's. Yeah. Boys made it across the street to Denny's. Chris has never been to Denny's. It was his first time at Denny's. Mm-hmm. Oh God. What'd you get? What'd you get? Do you remember? Oh, of course. I got the Grand Slamwich. Oh uh, yeah. I got uh, <laughs> the Grand Slam and a sandwich. <laughs> I got a chicken fried steak. <laughs> nice. 
And it was it was basically like the definition of Salisbury steak with chicken fry around it. Hell yeah. And then I know Eric and Chris both got different varietals of the Grand Slam and everyone left full. Didn't clean any plates. No, nobody finished. I was hurting. Yeah. That was that was a rough one. Yeah, it was uh it was a suspect choice for, I, I know Eric had to travel right after it. Uh, luckily, we had a night to recover. Yeah. Corey asked, are we sure it was COVID and not food poisoning that took Crust down? Just like you would have thought we all would have got COVID is from hanging out at the same time. You also would have thought we all would have got food poisoning from all eating at Denny's at the same time. But no, no, I don't. I, I mean, was there a hint of, of poison in the food? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it didn't debilitate any of us, I'll say. Oh, I I don't know, man. You were in the can for like two and a half hours that night. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Chris and I watched like two episodes of Wicked Tuna before you came back out of the bathroom. Yeah. Wicked Tuna is only 20 minutes long. Oh, yeah, I think that's true. But anyway, I mean, it's still a long time. Anyway, Monday was the trip home, and that's pretty much all there was to it. Is there anything that you wanted to to highlight from PaisaCon 2022? I think we pretty much covered it. How many Rainiers do you think we had? I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Yeah, okay. It was... We found Rainier Seltzers. Uh, yeah. I wish we had done those, you know, but they only have three flavors. Apple. Apple. Lemon. Uh, and like, like Brambleberry or something? Yeah, something like that. There's some sort of berry. Just yeah. purple. That was pretty good. Yeah. I think all of them were pretty passable. Yeah, all of them were pretty decent. Uh, the Apple one was probably the worst one in the group, and it wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, uh, surprisingly good show uh, from uh, from the lemon. I really enjoyed that. But, yeah, lemon uh, almost tasted like a shandy, or like it would work really well in one. Yeah. The pack uh, probably had me levitating about an inch or two off the ground. Maybe not yeah, all the yeah. way, but, you know, I was up there. I don't know if Dua Lipa would have been for it. I don't know if it partied hard enough for her, but, you know, it is what it is. I don't know if Dua Lipa partners with brands like Rainier. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our little recap of PaizoCon 2022. Let's talk about episode 200. And I'm glad we have Haley in studio here because this was a very Eclipse-focused episode. I do have a couple of observations and questions for all three of us coming at it from different perspectives. Me being, you know, a, a player that was part of it, but not the focus. Haley, who obviously pilots Eclipse and had a lot of input into, you know, how this came to be and stuff, and then Griff for actually putting it together. So we're going to start with you, Griff. Where the inspiration from this episode come from? And we're going to, I do want to say, keeping this spoiler light. Yeah, very we'll keep it spoiler light. light. It's kind of hard to not talk about it being Eclipse focused or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the inspiration for this came when I decided to take Eclipse's character away. Sure. Because of the insanity. And I think those of you that have been following the slow burn of the Lopper and Eclipse's relationship have seen that it has kind of gone from very contentious to less so as he's given her more details about his past and kind of like stepped into almost a protective role in several instances. So I wanted him to solve Mm -hmm. the issue, knowing that he's not a cleric that can cast heal or whatever. He had to do it in a a non-traditional way. And I thought... What a cooler place than Eclipse's mind to actually experience and fix. So I think like when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about, okay, what are aspects that I could pull in from Galarian, from Pathfinder? The Dreamlands is obviously 
the huge focus of this whole thing. So I used a lot of the rules from there, from yeah. Planar Adventures and that kind of thing, in order to kind of make it still an adventure. Uh, and I actually got some inspiration from when we did Return of the Rune Lords and you went to the Dreamland. Yes. Um, uh, our GM, Tim, sent us on like an adventure to the Dreamlands and showed us like some things from our character's subconscious and, and that kind of stuff in that adventure that manifests. And I thought that was such a cool idea to kind of show, shed light on parts of a character's backstory that you never get to see. Hell yeah, man. I really liked it. I thought it was a clever way to circumvent the like, uh, Eclipse is insane and we've taken her out of the story, but what do we do with her now? And also put a nice little bow on some backstory stuff for her too, which of course we won't spoil, but it, you know, there are some things that definitely get advanced in her story. I do have a question for you about why this though episode 100 basically was like a maxi episode of the hlp right like you it, it doesn't star other characters it doesn't star you know someone else it is a continuation of the show absolutely necessary to keep <laughs> listening when we heard about this idea to do the eclipse dreamscape I thought about some other potential alternates, like checking back in with the neutral interlude or doing another regular mega episode or bringing in a brand new party or something to do some other thing tangential to the campaign. Were you ever tempted to do something like that instead of the Eclipse thing? Or was it when the uh, insanity happened, you're like, I know what I'm doing for 200. That's, it's this. It was that. Nice. Yeah. There's nothing interesting enough happening <laughs> for an episode 200. I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, you guys are fighting Turner, obviously, in the main story. Uh, that wouldn't get resolved in three episodes. It would kind of suck for you guys to get killed in the episode 200 thing. That's kind of how I felt about it. So, um, and you certainly, one or more of you is going to die in the Turner fight. Um, I don't even know that that's a question anymore with the rate that you guys have been dying. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want that. I didn't think that we were going to have a big moment from Turner like we did from Saw. Sure. I thought 100 was a great opportunity when you had expressed that desire to have Saw kind of change sides for me to not only make it a big Ikmer story moment, but also a big Saw story moment and kind of tie together that set piece in book three, which does happen in book three, that talking to Desna thing that happens. And I think it just happened at such a good time. Usually there's a momentous thing that happens halfway through the campaign and almost every campaign there's something big that happens at that book three spot mm -hmm. that is worthwhile when you think about doing like a big capstone episode sure to capture there's not really that in book five like there's gonna be some big moments with matumbe coming up but i didn't think that was going to be captured succinctly in a 200 style episode uh, certainly not a three-parter. I don't think it would be finished, and I think it would it would feel a lot like this was just three episodes. And we hadn't done something like this. We hadn't really done... Like, we did the neutral interlude. You guys let me do 20 episodes of that, so I wasn't about to bring that back now 20 episodes later. I think we have a pretty clear picture that those characters are heading after Nana Opal, so there was really no need to, like, see them at sea again or see them, like, be even further ahead of you guys in the story of Carrying Crown. Mm -hmm. The next time we'll see those characters is when you catch up. Dope. All right. A couple more quick questions for you. Then I'm going to shift over to Haley. So 
how did you handle party creation? Because the characters that Brooks, Emily, and myself brought were not characters that either we concepted or necessarily built from scratch. We were in charge of our character builds, but we weren't in charge of their, how do I put this, like creative direction, maybe? Yeah, so what I will say is if you look into a medium or a haunt collector, mm-hmm. their spirits are themed. They have a they have to pick a type of spirit. And so each of those characters had a type that you're supposed to play that spirit as. And so it was very easy for me to say, hey, this character is this, which means they are X, Y, or Z. And like in the case of a champion, it's like, okay, there's some kind of divine protector. There's some kind of maybe divine class, definitely a martial focus class. Archmage is very easy. Like you're an arcane caster. Uh, And we kind of already talked about what like Emily's character, like who he was yeah. in the actual game. So she picked like the perfect archetype for that character. Mm-hmm. But for you and Brooks, it was a little bit more nebulous. So I was kind of like, hey, play the character with this slant. Here's a couple classes I think are good ideas. I think we all ended up taking you up on your recommendation for classes. You recommended a war priest for Liana a bard for Uli and then some sort of either arcanist or wizard for Manus. And I remember being at Brooks and Emily's apartment when we were deciding who was going to play who. And we all decided we wanted to flip gender just to have some fun with it. So Emily was the wizard and she's looking through our archetypes and goes, holy crap, there's an elder mythos wizard. And I was just like, you have to pick it. Like, that was who Manus was. Like, yeah. that's perfect. Brooks was very, very excited about the prospect of playing a bard and really wanted to do that for Uli. And then I started looking at War Priest and was like, damn, I might want to play one of those in a long form campaign one day. This is really yeah. cool. War Priest is really cool. And then when, it, when I was supposed to be a defensive spirit, I saw that there is a War Priest shield build, the shield bearer archetype. And I just went guns blazing with that. I had so much fun. Honestly, like to just to add that outside player perspective here, we didn't know a ton beforehand. We basically, Brooks, Emily, and myself knew that we knew not to tell Haley what we were doing. And yeah, so I said, like, come up with a secondary name for these characters, like, mm-hmm. come up with even a secondary, like, descript, like, physical description. And besides that, we each had a couple small things to add in. So, you told Brooks, hey, be ready with the pull quote from the Ikmer yeah. mm-hmm. pump up speech. And then you told me have a couple select quotes from Matumbe and Saw for these specific moments. But beyond that, the three of us were not involved in much at all. We were just kind of playing parts and I think it came together well. So let's go ahead and hop over to Haley for a second here. How did it feel to bring Eclipse back? Uh, I mean, it felt great. I, yeah. I love Eclipse. She's been my character for so long. I knew she wasn't gone, and unless like Eclipse is truly, truly dead, or has done something so like unfixable, I won't accept the fact that she's not around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like Game of Thrones, like unless they die on screen, right? Yeah, or, or like <laughs> most like fantasy or sci-fi. If someone gets killed off off screen, they're not dead. Yeah. So, um, what? How much did you know about this episode beforehand? Like, what did you know besides that you were playing Eclipse? I knew that I was playing Eclipse. Uh, I knew that the Lopper was going to have some sort of major play and would be not just in my head, 
That was the only other thing I think I knew was that the Lopper would not just be in my head, but I knew I would be playing Eclipse. And then I very kind of last minute, I knew that there was some stuff going to be happening with my character sheet just because I kind of have to do that before you're mm-hmm. in the middle of playing it. Yeah, when I decided on the mythic stuff and, and all of that kind of th- like th- those really special items that came into play. I had to obviously flow that all into Haley's character sheet. So I was like, hey, your character sheet's going to look a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, send this over. You're going to notice a mythic tab. Just don't use that tab until like I mention it. <laughs> yeah, so that was, a, that was a question that I had actually. If we could just do a, a little bit of a couple of the, maybe the cool highlights from the character changes that we had in this dreamscape. So... Either one of you, I know, Haley, obviously you played it. Griff, you kind of set this thing up. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of some of the big changes that we saw? Like, what were you excited about? What was cool to play? What did you feel special adding in? Well, I can I can definitely speak to the items you guys found. They were all meant to be a very powerful magic item that emulates the implement that the person whose tether was tethered to is using. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Master's Golden Bell was tied to Uli being in the bell. I don't remember all the names of the items offhand, but, like, the mirror is, like, a 40,000 gold magic item that, like, makes sense to use for the mirror. I wanted to have Lyra, like, have that tea party and have that tea party set in there because there aren't really any cool doll items that I could find. But I wanted to tie each of those things to the characters and then... I wanted to have like the big item be the loppers thing. And so that's where I added in the black iron axe. Where does that come from? Uh, it's, it's one of the mythic books. Hell yeah. It's like a mythic artifact. Haley, did you enjoy having that badass axe? Yeah, it's a little sad now, but it's fine because it was mm-hmm. very cool while it was uh, happening. But that was amazing. Very cool to experience and use. Hell yeah. All right. A couple more quick questions. Then we're going to take a quick break and go into our actual question segment. So, Haley, when did it click for you? When did you figure out exactly what was going on and who everyone was playing around the table? Oh, I mean, as soon as you walked to Eclipse. I mean, actually, mm-hmm. when Aaron L made the first appearance, I knew exactly mm-hmm. who everybody was. Nice. Yeah, because that was something Griff was really strict about. Like, hey, you can talk about character builds and everything, but don't ruin the surprise of who you're playing to Haley. So, yeah, that's fun. And then my very final question for you is, will the events of this little uh, interlude slash episode 200 change how you play Eclipse going forward? I mean, yes, because she has fundamentally changed so I'm not, I don't know how that will look, but I mean, she has changed. So, so yes, there will be changes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't get to keep that mythic tier, but she had the mythic tier and mythic power attack. And I believe the mythic champion, which emulates the lopper. And she does get to keep the planar infusion. So she has the planar infusion now from the dreamlands, which is how she was able to contact Matumbe in 199. Cause you can cast dream and communicate with somebody through their dreams. Hell yeah. Yeah, in addition, I mean, again, my character has changed like pretty significantly. And again, a lot of my character's original backstory also has now basically, and and original goals has kind of uh, changed as well. So lots of change. Lots of growth, lots of growth, character growth. Very excited. Hey, 
It's time for questions. Haley, what do you got for us? All right. So we have a few questions that have come in. And one I'm going to start with because it uh, fits to kind of what we were just talking about, which was um, Sir Newt has asked about episode 200. Griffin, did you finalize all the encounters before or after seeing everyone's character sheets? Good question. Um, I didn't get to see everybody's character sheets. So that's it's kind of a, I knew what everybody was playing. And I based the character sheets off of, or I based the encounters off of how difficult I needed it to be for Eclipse because I knew I had powered that character up. I knew Eclipse's character sheet very well, but I tried to leave things in there that would be interesting for all of the other characters. For instance, you see the scholar played by Emily being able to use one of their elder mythos scholar abilities multiple times, like one of their... um, one of their spontaneous cast spells that's different for that class versus any other wizard. So I did take some of that stuff into account, but for the most part, I built it off of, hey, I know I'm going to have these two characters in this fight. I know I'm going to have everybody in this fight. I'm going to build these to be appropriately difficult encounters, knowing that they're in the dreamland and pretty much anything can happen. And then I think the, the final encounter was CR 15. So recognize that I buff them very heavily in accordance with how difficult that encounter was going to be. Sure felt like a CR-15. Yeah. Oof. All right. Next question. The next question is a bit of a snarky one. Oh, boy. Let me guess, Corey. Yes. <laughs> how did I know? Corey asked, how many more third-party spells are you going to allow now? Uh, I allowed it because it was in a dream. <laughs> And Emily truly did not yeah, know. Yeah, and Emily is not my... Of all my players, Emily Emily would be the most innocent in actually choosing that. I don't believe any of my group is maliciously picking any of these third-party spells. They're just picking the spells because they're cool and there's something clicked on in the character sheet. So I'm usually pretty happy to roll with it in a fight. Even, on the, like, even out of the Dreamlands, I'm usually okay to roll with it and then like... Hey, that's third party. I just realized looking the spell up. That's why it's worded so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe like pick another spell like going forward. I'm going to let that happen here. So that's my general philosophy on third party stuff. Honestly, if like the spell is perfectly balanced, which I don't think that spell was, but if the spell's perfectly balanced or is a racial spell for another race, I'm usually actually okay with it. Yeah, I, I mean, to back that point up, we had this actually happen on the mainline show. Uh, yeah. My character in our neutral interlude, I ended up picking, uh, geez, it's been a while, so I don't remember exactly if it was like an extract Your or invisibility uh, mutagen. Yeah, the, yeah, the discovery. And we mm-hmm. talked it out and it was like, okay, you know what? For this level, that's actually pretty balanced. And yeah, it's yeah like, I was kind of like, okay. it's, it's literally greater invisibility for one round and then just regular invisibility. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't break anything for me. So I'm okay. I'm okay because there's plenty of other good options for you to take as a discovery. So that didn't really bother me. And I think that's. I mean, call me laid back as a GM, but I don't usually mind third party stuff as long as it's not egregious. Yeah. I know people don't generally, when they listen to a Paizo product, want to hear third party stuff. So I'm trying not to like flood <laughs> the show with third party stuff. We try to avoid it when we can, but if it accidentally slips in there because somebody clicks something on in Hero Lab or whatever, we just need to make sure that it's 
balanced and it doesn't break anything. And yeah. I think so far it's been okay. Yeah, in this encounter, honestly, that was such a cool spell to use on this dragon. I was like, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, let's just do it. And if you're okay with me ruling it this way, then I'm okay with you using the spell. Cool. All right, next question. I have two questions here, both from Eric. I'm going to go with the more pathfindery question first. What is the secret to making villains truly evil? And he does that have that in all caps, bold and italic. So really just emphasizing evil. If you want somebody to be truly evil, I think you have to take some things away from the party with that character. I think Nana Opal is a very good example of a character that is now considered, at least by the neutral interlude party, as like truly evil. A good strategy I use is to take a morally ambiguous NPC and have even them dislike that bad guy. You see that with like in the neutral interlude with Nana Opal, how like Nana Opal was even subjugating another lich, like that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good way. There's certainly there's certainly just despicable things you can do within the rules of Pathfinder. I lucked out that I get to bring in these like evil interlude characters that you guys all made complete shitheads and I get to like play off of how they've already interacted you see a character like Ed Turner like uh, channel negative energy his whole congregation and you think like oh well it would not be very far-fetched for this guy to dominate a group of people and use them as like leverage use their lives as leverage against getting attacked like that's par for the course for that character Mm -hmm. I think you gotta you'll see like how the BBEG of Carrying Crown starts to like seep into a lot of things that I've run so far. And even though there's a, there's still like a veil of unknowing from the party about Adivian, he's like, he shows up in this 200 thing with the, like the dragon is based off of him. He shows up later after 200. I think having someone be present and be an asshole at a certain point in the party's uh, life pretty much enables them to hate that character for a long time. So putting them in direct opposition to the party without maybe making them a a threat definitely makes them way worse when you face them later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in general, it's also, it's about the little things. And I can't stress that enough. I've heard so many stories about other GMs who are like, I don't know what to do. My whole party has now decided that this big, bad, evil person is actually mostly just misunderstood. Uh, now they want to kind of help him. And like, <laughs> I've heard all these like weird stories about these TTRPGs. And I think it's about the little things, right? Like if, I mean, you think about the Harry Potter universe and everybody universally hates Umbridge. Yeah. <laughs> universally. Yep. We do take Umbridge with her. Because it's just, she does small things that make her feel very evil versus uh, Voldemort literally kills like multiple people all of the time. So it's part of the course for him, just like, course. yeah. But it's, uh, to me, that like truly feeling of like uh, uncomfortable, the amount of evil it is when it's not directly like this big show. It's a bunch of little things that add up and it's like, oh my God, you're just so horrible. And I think you've done that very well, starting with the, you know, the trial and having it just be those little things that are evil. Yeah, the slow burn definitely helps a lot. To, so you can do those little things, have them needle Lyra and stuff and throw a little shade and be annoying and come away on top, kind of. Like 
those are the types of people that you really, really dislike. To that point earlier, Haley, of like, uh, the bad guys got some points. Like, you really do have to plant those seeds early and just keep at it. And there's many different flavors of bad guy as well. Many different flavors of BBEG. I mean, like you said earlier, Griff, look at our evil interlude party. All four of those are very distinctly different. And there's different ways to make those different types of evil hit. And you just have to be in tune with that. Like, have Saw roll through a town and just rip shit apart. Have Turner be like Robert Pattinson's character from um, the movie where he was a... Yes, of course. Um, where he was like a, a nasty preacher uh, on Netflix, and now it's escaping right, me right now. The devil all the time. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, there's I know there's different to... flavors of it. Yes. There's certainly different flavors of it. And like you get that with like Nana Opal is like kind of verging on like BBEG ideals, like these higher ideals, but like uses people. Mm-hmm. And that's like her evil. Like Turner is self absorbed evil. Yeah. Like. Like Saw is like almost like evil, like misguided evil. Mm -hmm. And then Viv Viv is like evil for the greater good. Yeah. Like Like, and it's not a greater good, but yeah, it's like a, it's evil for discovery. And Mm -hmm. like, I I think what what you describe with like, Oh, the good, the bad guy has some good points. uh, That's like my least favorite kind of evil Mm -hmm. because, and I think you can do it. Mm -hmm. You can certainly do it, but that should not be your BBEG. Yeah, if that's your BBEG. In my opinion, you're setting yourself up for your party to like kind of be let down at the end of the adventure because it's so unsatisfying to go up against not true evil. Okay, that's a great book three villain. That's a that's a perfect book three villain. Like this guy that you're chasing and like ah, uh, he's got these like weird ideals or he's going to like a corrupt politician or something maybe he has like these these bad methods of doing something but he's really trying to push this one agenda that actually kind of makes sense like that is someone that you face mid-adventure and you either turn them to your side like a saw or you defeat them but you're conflicted about defeating them and I think both are valid but both are not satisfying and Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be the end of an adventure where you pull that yeah absolutely agree all right, what else we got, Haley? Man, that was a great talk. I love talking about making the evils. All right. Uh, Man, people I, are fun to talk about. It's good. It is. It's great. So I was going to ask the next question asked by Eric, but I got another actual Pathfinder question and another 200 question. Okay. So I okay. definitely sure. should do that. So Spartan has asked two different questions, actually. What would have happened to any of the characters if they had perished in the dream? That's a really good question because I don't know that I know the answer to that. Griff. Yep, so dying in the dream, there's actually like mechanics for this in book three of Strange Aeons, where they're supposed to get like a madness or something. However, these are these characters are already dead. So you can think of them as almost manifestations of Eclipse's mind, even though they have their own free will. Like if they died, yeah, maybe they're they're out of two hundred. I mean, I think we almost had a, a complete death in Uli the was yeah, damn Uli, close. Uli almost died. Um if they had died in that, though, it's really just like I, I wasn't going to like take the spirit away or anything. It was kind of just like, OK, this part of Eclipse's dream is gone. Mm-hmm. But the the thing about the dreamland that that is I didn't plan for death in this because Eclipse has so many options to perform miracles 
as the lucid dreamer in the dreamlands, she has like, I believe you had three opportunities yep. to make the, the impossible possible. And I really thought like, hey, if somebody dies, I think Haley's going to use that. I mean, like those who listen, you can hear me about to use it. And you did something a little bit different in that case, but you can, I was like, I had my dice ready to go. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, okay. It makes sense for, you know, maybe not just your force of will to be exerted on the dream. So I, I let that be like a different person's role, but yeah, so I, I wasn't really worried about the threat of death. I think the real threat of death was Eclipse. So if Eclipse had died, she would have <laughs> gone back to the real world with another madness. Uh, because that's how dying in the dream works. What about if let me let me augment this question a bit. What if we start up that Splatterman fight? Episode one, Eclipse dies. What do you do? We have two more episodes we need to record. Griff, how do you work your way out of that situation? Yeah, that's kind of a worst tough, case scenario. Tough yeah, pivot right. Um, in that case, I was going to do an inception. Like I kind of did at the end, a dream within a dream within a dream thing. I would have made it like more difficult in the next part of the dream, but I think I would have kind of incepted it. Sure. Where it's like, okay, you die in this dream and you wake up. So we're still doing the rude fight. We're still doing yeah, the Yeah, the I probably would have just like had you, instead of actually traversing the dreamland like you did, I probably would have just like cut you into a new thing and disadvantaged you somehow. somehow. Like I did when she entered the dream world uh, with a bad role. It's like, okay, well, I was going to like let you go and figure this stuff out, but instead I'm going to put you in a jail cell. Sure. Like I had two outcomes for you succeeding or failing that role. I didn't know that. Yeah. Neither did I actually. <laughs> All right. Next question, please. The next question that Spartan had asked is, does the ending indicate Eclipse's corruption is lifted? I would say better, but with like in quotes, the better outcome in that she has fully become symbiotic with her corruption. So the corruption is still very much there, but it's less of a harmful thing than I think it was before. All right. We are getting kind of close to time. So if we have maybe, let's call it two more questions, Haley. Great. We have two questions and they're no longer on the Pathfinder path. And so I think this is great. All uh, right, perfect. So I'm going to start with Jason's question. And he um, has unfortunately dropped off, but he did ask this pretty early on. Steve, okay. is it fair to compare which Obi-Wan you like the best between the following original trilogy, prequel trilogy, Clone Wars, Obi-Wan series? <sighs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's really, really tough. <sighs> Asking the hard questions. Yeah. Okay. I know my answer. I know my answer. This is... A stop jiggling oh. your leg. All right. Shaking the camera. Just stop. Um, I, I had all that, all that peanut butter bag. Yeah, you're just you know? fucking shaking the whole table. Shaking the table. I got keto eight flowing through my veins. <laughs> Probably about 500 milligrams. Still actively of that. doing it. I'm watching the screen. <laughs> I'm not shaking my leg. Something's shaking. It's gotten better. It's all just right. the after effects. All right. So I do have an answer to this question. Also, this question stresses me out because I'm being put on the spot about something I care very passionately about. I will have to give. My highest rated Obi-Wan to, this might be a controversial opinion, Ian McGregor prequel series Obi-Wan. I think he does such a phenomenal job. It's a little quippy, sure, but he plays a little, a little quippy. Um, 
but I think he really breathes a lot of life into that character. He breathes a lot of humanity into that character. And honestly, Obi-Wan Kenobi has, and this is irrespective of the sh- like the brand new show and the brand new focus on this character in the last year or so, has been consistently my favorite Jedi for the last like 15 years. I really love him, and it is because of Ian McGregor's performance in the first three movies. So I got to say that, but I definitely give a huge shout out to Alec Guinness and I apologize, but I don't know the um, the voice actor for Clone Wars. I, they both really do a phenomenal job. I really like the character and the reason I really like it is because of Ian McGregor's performance in the prequel series. So that's my answer. All right. Thank you. Eric has asked, and I think this is such a fun question. I'm glad it's the last one here. Would you expand a seltzer draft to 128 flavors now that you've tried so many? We're, we're getting up there in the amount that we have tried. Uh, but that but would, uh, I feel uh, like that's 128 unique flavors, and yeah. I don't think there are that many. Oh, I think there are. I really unique? do. I really oh, yeah, do. Yeah, no, I guess I really maybe. do, yeah. Will we do it? No. Um, no will yeah, we do another seltzer draft? Potentially. I mean, compared to when we did it last time, there are so, so, so many new entrants. Yeah, and old favorites have disappeared. Not even new packs, but entire new brands bringing stuff to the table. You're right. Old packs have disappeared. I haven't seen anything from Vive in forever. Bon and Viv's apparently dead or just sold in Pennsylvania or something. But um, (laughs) we 100% could do a 128. That's too much. We're not doing that. But geez, you really, really could. There's yeah, a lot out there. What, what I think is interesting is that our concept of the draft might change in terms of like positions. Remember how we kind of had like a hey, there's a there's a citrus tropical. and there's a tropical mm-hmm. and like I think the landscape has kind of changed and there might be different slots. You could have all there's cocktails, a tea, a soda. all teas, yep. yeah, all sodas, all lemonades. Or honestly, you could you could put it on a season, like you'd say seasonal. Sure. And that could be like, you know, all your Christmas shit, all your um, like the real summer packs, like not not just like pineapple flavored, but the stuff like this pack where it's like pinnacle, like that could slide into a seasonal. So I think you could maybe instead of expanding it so far, you could certainly expand the the roster that each person comes up with. Uh, it's just in that scenario, expanding it to that many when we did the seltzer draft, we literally had every seltzer there. Yes. We had every seltzer that was on the draft in the room with us. And we like, can't do that formed a team. I don't think you can sustainably do one with 128, but I wouldn't do a seltzer draft unless I was able to taste everything. I think no, what you we could didn't do taste everything. Right. But I think what you could do is instead of a seltzer draft, do an actual true bracket mm-hmm. with 128 where everybody gets like a tiny, like a, you know, like a wine tasting sipper of each thing and you literally vote on okay who continues on here yes this would be far too much work right but i think you could uh, you, based off of these conversations that we have at the start of these you could certainly start to uh create seed positions mm. for these things too it's like okay well what did you know our, our five out of five deserves to go up against a two out of five or something mm-hmm. in the first round so you could you could do stuff like that too. You could do kind of like a March Madness. Yes. Good thing we've kept consistent rating scales. I think they've all been out of five except for one or two. 
Yeah, they are mostly out of five. I think sometimes we've had a few fours slip in there. Yeah. And there was but, that one time we had like another 20 point scale or something on top of it. Remember? Sounds yeah, about right. Which one we did that for. Haley's busting up about something. Sorry. <laughs> it's not the last jab, but it's really funny. All right. Uh, Biffy just asked, why does Steve look like he's doing the equivalent of prison Mike from the office? The only crime we could put him away for is failing to steal the Amer- Amiri cutout. Why you got coming at me like that, man? <laughs> what I do to you? It really got me when I looked over and saw that. Pretty good, though. I wear, I wear bandanas <laughs> really during Live Zone of Truth now because we get sweaty in the studio. He's really grilling you for the bandana. <laughs> I love Ridiculous. Personally on that train. All right. Well, tell you what, I think that was the last question we're going to answer today. We got to wrap this episode up and head on over into the Drunken Discordly chat for a little after party, but not before we do a little wrap up slash uh, housekeeping. I don't think there's anything that we have to promote, right, Griffin? I think we're pretty much set up. Keep your ear to the ground about a cool thing we might be doing in partnership with Paizo soon that we teased earlier. But is there anything else on our calendar? I don't think so. I don't know. I think... Some of us might make the trek out to Gen Con. Ooh. It's not confirmed or denied, but... Yes, definitely not confirmed. But if we do make it out to Gen Con, we absolutely will have some sort of meetup. And we will definitely circulate that out Promote there, that so. more than Origins. Which yeah. is happening right now. Like, actually... Literally happening like right, right now. now actually, <laughs> is where we would be if we weren't doing this. But I think that wraps us up for housekeeping. So it is time for the final jab. Haley, do we have any entrance this week? And if we don't, that's fine. I mean, if we don't, we definitely fine. do. I think the other one was a great contender for that. that. Was, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. But unfortunately, most of the listeners at home can't see you. That's true. So we have one that's not reliant on sight. Oh, okay. That's good. Once again, it is from Corey. Uh, <laughs> She's so quick with these two. Um, how, how early in the stream was this, Jen? Well, it was uh, 4.48 p.m. Okay, that's, yeah, that's an hour ago. It relates yeah. directly to some words that Steve said. Uh, uh, oh, that must have been when I was talking about the cousin fucking. Go ahead. Yeah. Steve is just an orange, desperately hoping for his peach to show up to the family reunion. Wow. Did I call that or what? Oh, my what God. What a shock. <laughs> And also very apt. Yeah. <laughs> very apt. No. None of us understood why you jumped there, but you did. So I that's it was the end. This is a comedy show. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Steve and Nancy Glow all over again. We're not getting into this here. Uh, you survived the zone of truth. Will save or whatever the fuck. Griffin and the show. <laughs> Fish and drinks. See you in two weeks. Later.